No, not the memes. The memes are in my eyes. You know what you're getting into. Come on. <laughs> I, I, was, I literally advertised it as like, guys, we're doing something crazy this week, and it involves Nick Cage. And I hope you guys didn't think I was joking. And I also hope you guys didn't think that I like knew Nick Cage personally, because I don't. Mm. Like, I wish I did. <laughs> yes, and the Tomodachi bros rise from their graves. <laughs> well, most of us, at least. Jitaku ended up falling into his grave and decided, hey, I might as well take a nap since I'm here. So it's actually just Clockwork, Cog, and myself for today. Hey, hey, I'm back. But it's okay. We will persevere and we will survive some way, somehow. Yes, welcome listeners to a very special holiday Tomodachi Bros podcast episode. Not only is this the first Tomodachi Bros podcast that's been airing in a while, because, yeah, I'm, I'm very sorry we didn't. We're v- very sorry. It's a lot of lot of stuff went down. A lot of personal stuff for everybody. We did not. Very sad about that. We didn't do a Christmas episode last year. Yeah, all of us had a rough run on things. But hey, we're back today. We're promising. We're we're back. We 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 have risen again, and we are bringing you a very special, totally caged Halloween. And what better way to rise on Halloween <laughs> than Nick Cage? Yes, we decided, in part because we were kind of already leaning that direction to start with, like, guys, Nick Cage movies, let's do this. <laughs> uh, it was actually Cog's suggestion, and I was like, that's awesome, I am, I am game, let's do it. Yeah, because I realized we, when we were putting out ideas for what we were, were going to do for Halloween, I saw a number of movies, a couple movies that had Nick Cage, and I was like, wait, he's got a bunch of scary movies. Yeah, he, he does. Well, he has a huge IMDb page, but no one ever wants to look at that. It's, it's a very interesting read-over. Especially knowing that he voiced Superman at one point. It was like, wow. <laughs> Recently. Plus, he's just, he's hes one of my favorites. He's also just really entertaining to watch. So. <laughs> he is. He is. And so we're going to go in order of chronology through these four films. Because Yutaku did pick a film. Even if he's not here to rep it, we shall do that on his behalf. Shall we get into it? Let's go. Watch. It is a non-stop spoiler onslaught going forward. Abandon all pretenses, ye who enter here. First up is uh, Clockwork's pick, Gone in 60 Seconds. Which I would not categorize as a Halloween film, not, not a, horror a horror film, film. but we're, we're, we're easing into it. <laughs> we're easing into it. But, it, like, you know what? It was fun to revisit because, like, okay, this is a true story. In my household, when this film came out, not only did my family really like it, we liked the title song a lot. Like, we played it all the time. And the instant, the instant I heard the very first lyric to the song, I'm like, this is going to be in my head all week now. 
I was told this was a very this was a very good movie from a lot of people. I never actually watched it until recently. Never had a chance to. Never was really in my in my library of movies. So everyone told me you should. And we did it's like we're gonna do a Nick Cage. We're gonna do a Nick Cage movie. And I'm like, well, why not? Let's do this one. <laughs> and it's funny too because as I watch the other movies, Nick Cage has a lot of cars, a lot of nice cars in his movies. And I feel like I know what this stems from from this movie, a movie about <laughs> Nicolas Cage being a master car thief and in one night stealing what was it 50, 50. cars 50 cars cars in one night to try to save his brother <laughs> from a massive mess up that he did <laughs> this is actually a remake of the 1974 gone in 60 seconds by the way oh I did not know that, actually. I did not either. Yes, it is actually one of the earlier remake films that actually did really well before we got flooded with our current, you know, state of just remaking literally everything. But right. The 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 remake, the the remake flood that has not stopped, by the way. <laughs> yeah, basically, that's still going. That's that's still a problem. That being said, this movie is immensely entertaining and in many ways, really, really dumb. Uh, <laughs> Like, some of the things they do would not work in real life. Like, halfway in, I remember going to the chat and talking to the guys. I'm like, guys, I'm watching a cartoon. I'm watching Nick Cage in a cartoon. But the cartoon is real life. Yes. And it was funny because I was like, man, this was made in 19... Oh, wait a minute. No, this was made in 2000. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this exactly. is a Lots film. Not this, this can't hide behind no, it the, it was the 90s defense because it wasn't. Oh, yeah, they do some incredible stunts that, I mean, I even remember watching it when it came out being like, yeah, that car would be just completely destroyed after a jump like that. Yeah. The, the, okay, class, there's this thing called a suspension. So it stops your car from falling to the ground. And if you try to ramp it off of a freaking tow truck bed, you're going to I'll shatter the axles <laughs> and just pancake the car into the ground. Also, if you're hit by a, uh, by a wrecking ball through a wall, yeah, you're not going to live through that. Do not try that at home in any kind of future stunts you might be thinking for YouTube or anything. And the guy's just like, how many oh, did anybody get? Dude, are you okay? He's like, oh, no, I'm, when it, I'm when okay. Suddenly like, oh, this is totally <laughs> like, a Miley okay. Cyrus moment because Nick Cage can literally say he <laughs> like, a wrecking ball. like a wrecking ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he dodged, he dodged the wrecking ball. That That's was the true. point. <laughs> like, and the guy's just like, oh, no, I'm okay. I'm like, no, you're not okay. You just got hit with a wrecking ball and put through a brick wall. You are gelatin at best, my good man. <laughs> <laughs> and also just being able to drive through all those streets, those busy highways, and not hit, and then not being, not one street being congested with traffic or anything of that nature. And I'm like, man, that must be like the luckiest like drive through. Oh man, that still <laughs> that still goes on in modern films. I did see uh, one of the most obvious modern examples, uh, Top Gun Maverick, which I actually really enjoyed. Uh, but yeah, he's he punches out going Mach ten. It the freaking punches out at Mach 10 in the very beginning of the movie. And I'm like, yeah, you don't walk away from that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you you are, you are, you are like missed. <laughs> you, are, you are now just like dissolved. But like, but here's the thing. I'm poking a lot of fun. It's immensely entertaining. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 
from from start to finish, I was captivated. And like, there's a lot of great character chemistry, and like, all the characters have these really big personalities, and they're bouncing off each other. And, and there's a lot of really witty repartee. It was kind of that that uh, pre-Marvel quip, quip, quip writing. Um, it was very, very smart. And it has this charming kind of silly moments. Like before they do the heist, it's tradition to turn on low rider and watch Nicholas Cage kind of just focus, focus his mind. And he goes, let's ride. <laughs> oh, that's one of the most iconic scenes from the movie too. Which will actually be kind of a, a recurring, a recurring phrase throughout these movies. Um, it's just, it's a great heist film. It's a great action film. And much like uh, National Treasure, Nick Cage pulls off a lot of stuff that he should be in federal prison for and walks away scot-free. <laughs> well, it's, it was done by the the uh, the detectives from the, uh, I guess, Grand Theft Auto. I don't remember what their particular division was. But he says that like they know what he's done, but they can't paint anything on, on him that would stick. So that's why they're like, you do anything, anything wrong, uh, you're going in jail for like life because they know exactly what he is and what he's done. <laughs> Right. Um, and just, yeah, even from like people like, cause I'm not the biggest car guy, but I know a lot of like one of my buddies who's a car guy, it says this is his favorite movie ever just because of all the different car, all the, all the classic cars. And everything they they, they picked movie. some nice ones. Like I'm not even that big a car guy, but even I know I'm like, those yeah, are like so that, classics. Yeah. I will say this is, it's not just a great heist movie. It's not just a great action movie. It's an awesome car mm-hmm. movie. And, and the fact <laughs> that you get like, I mean, of course, the winner is is Eleanor, though. Oh, yeah. Because, like, actually, if I recall in the original, I think the original was actually a Mach 1, which is part of why my dad really liked it, because he owned a, a 71 <laughs> Mach 1. Nice. And uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm, that's wrong. It was a yellow 73. It might have been a Mach 1. It was a, it was a yellow 73 Mustang as okay. well in the original. And so they did the Shelby, the GT500 in the remake. And I mean, both of those cars were just like. Oh, the engine amazing. on it. Like I listen to the engine, I'm so. like, oh, yes, that sounds good. <laughs> Satisfying. The roar. And even the in the original, it was called Eleanor as well. So it, it like, it, it's, uh, man, it's just. It, the other thing too is how they pay homage to the whole thing too, because it's like the 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 one that got away sort of thing. You know, he he has this like <laughs> emotional relationship with it and everything like that. It's, it just the way they play it up is just fantastic. I think his his big thing is that every time he has tried to do a heist with Eleanor or a car like Eleanor specifically, something goes wrong, it, it, it which does, it does in the movie. Delor does stall for, does stall for a second or two and gets caught a couple of times, but ends up, you know, completing the heist and everything like that. But it does, um, completing the heist, technically speaking, he didn't make it in the, in the time frame, yada, yada. Um, yeah, he was 12 minutes late all because it was stall, but either way, it's, uh, that's the his whole relationship, but I mean, we, we, I mean, for the car like that, I mean, as a nerd who gets passionate about kind of stupid things, sometimes I can relate. I, I get it. So, all right, the, the, this is a, a I would say great film. I think that's fair to say. Uh, Snack final score. I'm saying eight point five out of ten. I give it a, I give it a good uh, three point five out of five. Oh, I see. I see. I see how we were. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Fancy schmancy here. Oh, 
Okay. All right. It's all above. Right. It's above average. It's, I know my friend, if he was listening to this, he'd probably kill me for saying that. Uh, but I did have a. It did have a, <laughs> its moments. I did have a good, a good amount of fun. It wasn't like amazing, spectacular. You know, one thousand percent over one hundred though. But uh, it was a very fun film. I would, I would recommend it to anybody who likes Nick Cage movies or car movies, right? Or heist movies. Also that. <laughs> or that too. Um, I really enjoy this film. I've owned this on. VHS and DVD and Blu-ray and I I've, I I uh, really enjoy this movie. I've enjoyed it for a long time. Um, I I've seen this movie so many times. I didn't even really have to go back and watch it, <laughs> even though I kind of did anyway, just because. <laughs> You had all absolutely the well, just because there was a reason to. Even though I couldn't, I can almost close my eyes and like recite the whole movie from with my eyes closed. So <laughs> um, I've just seen it so many times, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a great one. Absolutely, uh, I would give it a solid nine out of ten. I I think it's phenomenal. All right. So sounds like we're in agreement. So next, chronologically, we're looking at a look at uh, Dutaku's choice, Ghost Rider. Yeah. We're going back to, to the early days of the Marvel films before they became completely formulaic and overly quippy. And political and annoying. Uh, yeah. That, that was a thing. I was actually talking about this right before we got recording. But, like, this movie is so different than any of the Marvel films that would come after. I mean, I will say Captain America and Iron Man had better action set pieces, but this had, like, the, the way they shot it, the way the dialogue flows... They seem to be able to get away with anything at this point, and they felt very free to just kind of cut loose and go crazy at times in really unexpected ways. Like, <laughs> I think the one that, that kind of floored me in that, wow, you can't do that today, was when uh, Nick Cage as Johnny Blaze comes rolling down the highway and like cuts off this news van just so he can bother his childhood friend slash crush. And he's like, you want to go out for some Italian? <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, you are layering on that Southern inflection, my good man. <laughs> and it's like, oh, like a scene like that, yes. you couldn't even do it today. Because he'd be like canceled on Twitter. But it's yes. so entertaining. And he has this, this weird downplayed kinetic energy that completely reverses when they flip the fiery head on. Because then he's like chewing the scenery like he's a Muppet. <laughs> it's insane yes absolutely well i think it's more of the power dynamic between johnny blaze the you know the person it's the person he originally was and then going into ghost rider is that it's that power it's that power up uh it's that power up kind of mentality right as in the scene like in the pri in the prison cell where everyone's kind of beating him up as he's like trying to not not trying to like you know uh, like destroy everybody in the room since everybody is committed evil except for the one kid that he points at and he goes innocent and I was just like okay <laughs> don't know what that does has has no other meaning besides uh, has no other scene or other meaning besides that and, and I don't know if it's ever shown in the other movie or not I don't think I don't think it was actually supposed to be anything other than showing that Ghost Rider does not kill indiscriminately. And that is the thing, like Ghost Rider, if you look at him, he's like he's a scary dude with a punk motif. Like, of course, like you would have every right to be scared of him. But generally, if you're not like a serial murderer, he really is not interested in like messing with you. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Something I really like about the character is that different dynamic in that he's actually supposed to be an angel and everybody looks at him like he's this demonic type thing, but that's what the penance stare is, is that he's showing them like all of the their sins and the bad things that they've done in life and like having them live it out. And it literally only kills you if you're a terrible, terrible person. If you're just a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> and that's they, they, they lean into that pretty heavily. Like it really is his like go-to weapon apart from this fire change. I have to say like the CG is a little dated and it shows in some spots, but the way they do the whip effects is just like divine. It looks super cool when he's spinning that thing around. And I have to give the, sh- the, the movie credit too, is that um, when they show off the villains, the, the main villain being Blackheart and the other villains, I don't remember their names off the top of my head. No, the, the elemental guys. Yeah. yeah. I was like, as he was fighting the air elemental dude or air demon, I don't know what you want to call him. Uh, it was very interesting because it's like, he's like, he's like, how are you going to fight me? Because I am the air. And then he whips his whip around and heats the air around him where he can't escape from the whip and burns. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty clever. However, that's a nice one. The Earth dude, you know, is just he he just heats up the Earth and then he dies. <laughs> and then the funniest part is that when the is when the water dude grabs him, pulls him under, and then he's like, yeah, he, "Oh, he just I'm just going to superheat the water." It's the- like after every every kill is just kind of like, "Oh, I shouldn't have done that." While the air dude was kind of the air dude was kind of like, "You know what? I can see that. That's pretty. That's a pretty clever. That's a pretty clever one. I'll give him that one." <laughs> That's kind of the reaction to fighting Ghost Rider. Like, I remember right after the the Planet Hulk arc, there was a battle where Hulk and Ghost Rider were fighting in Lower Manhattan, and they basically, like, pancake the city, and Hulk is this panting, frothing, raging mess, and Ghost Rider's like, are you done? I have better things to do today. Than and he just you. leaves, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets bored and leaves. It's like, you can't kill the Rider unless you're magic, so you, you can't, like, smash him. And that, that's, like, why, like, the Earth guy was already kind of, like, done before he even realized it, because he's like, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll sneak up on him and hit him real hard one good time, and Ghost Rider's like, are you kidding me? Like, really? <laughs> I do wish... And this is my biggest gripe with the movie. It's probably a, a minor gripe and probably pulling straw. I wish they CGI'd my boy Blackheart and Mephisto a little bit more than just changing their faces a little bit on the human characters. <laughs> I, I agree, but I, I'll go one step further on that. Okay, here's the thing. For those who haven't seen the film, you learn that Sam Elliott's character was the writer before Nick Cage or Johnny Blaze. And... They go together across the desert to the town of San Venganza, which is where this contract for the souls of everyone who lived in that town was up for grabs. And that's kind of the MacGuffin of the main arc. And what they should have done and did not do, they should have had Sam Elliott's writer and Nick Cage's writer fight the huge monstrous Blackheart that we see in Marvel vs. Capcom 2. If they did that, perfect film. (laughs) Perfect film, 12 out of 10, if they did that. Now, of course, you know, the hero has to fight the villain by himself, and Sam Elliott's like, oh, I used up the last of my power just riding here. And I'm like, then why did you transform? (laughs) 
wait, dude. Yeah. Bad timing. <laughs> Why didn't you just ride there and then do you, a you fight? You guys knew you were going up. As, as he pointed out, it was his last ride to show uh, Nick Cage where he needed to go to complete his to complete his mission, pretty much, so to seal the uh, to seal the story, as it were. Or and that was the the, the one use for his power, which doesn't make a lot of sense in the long run but yeah you are right <laughs> I, I i get it but dude it would have been so cool if we had two writers fighting against like the huge demon black art form like that would have been like the coolest thing i think me of uh, 15 17 years ago probably would have lost battle control over that kind of a fight scene oh yeah that would have that would have been super cool. just but here's the thing it's super entertaining and revisited again after all this time, especially now that I've I've gone through the arc of Marvel movies. I pretty much dropped off after um, Endgame and uh, Infinity War and Endgame, and, and I haven't really uh, gone back at all. But going back and revisiting this was super cool. <laughs> it was, again, it has a very different vibe and it carries itself very differently. And while I think the ending was a little bit of a letdown, it's still really cool. And the fact that once again, the villain kind of hoists himself on his own petard. He's like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just eat all the souls that are indebted in this contract. And Ghost Rider's like, ha ha, joke's on you. Now you have a soul to burn. Yeah, many souls to burn. Mm -hmm. Many souls to burn. <laughs> yes. Which was an interesting kind of, I don't like. I, I don't fault the story for that, but I thought it was like when I first heard it, I was kind of like, that's kind of a weird, like, I don't want to say deus ex machina because I don't think that's what it actually is, but it it, it was one of those. <laughs> no, just a weird decision on the villain's part. Because like, yeah, it does make him stronger, but he knows the writer is nigh unstoppable. Like the only person who can even like begin to contend with the ghost writer is Doctor Strange. And even then, the two rarely cross paths because they usually are fighting the same enemy. Yeah. But all in all, I'd, I'd say this movie is a solid eight. It is immensely entertaining. I get to see Nick Cage chewing the scenery and flipping off a helicopter. It's beautiful. I, I do really enjoy I, I enjoyed this movie. I, I will confess, uh, I've been a long time Western comics nerd for a long time. Um, I still keep up with certain happenings, even though they piss me off and current the current big two have just are destroying themselves and trying to just annihilate the characters that I grew up loving. It's really frustrating, but going back and watching this was a nice reminder of some funner times with these characters. And Ghost Rider was always one of my favorites. And I remember seeing this in theaters. And I mean, overall, I, I enjoyed the movie. Because it's just, it was at the time, I just remember being so impressed that the movie even existed and that they were even making it. Because it used to be a thing where it was like, oh man, what if they made, you know, a movie like the before, like this was, you know, we had Spider Man and that was about it. You know, you had the Batman movies that would come out every now and then. And like there was not a lot of superhero movies at the time. And then the fact that they did this movie, I can still remember being in the theater, having my mind blown that this, this was even a thing. And then, um, I will admit, uh, the action sequences are still a bit underwhelming for me. Cause I'm like, Oh, this could have been like so much more intense. And the thing I appreciate, um, is they did a sequel by the way, people, uh, there is a sequel ghost rider spirit of vengeance. And if I look at the two of them together, because they're both Nick Cage, 
I feel that you watch this movie more for the character development in terms of like a, a more original, closer to the classic Johnny Blaze, like original story arc of, you know, the daredevil um, bike rider that becomes the ghost rider. And then you watch Spirit of Vengeance just for over the top, wacky, balls to the wall like action sequences of like peeing fire and and like just absolutely nick cage going like full-blown nick cage like as hard as he possibly can and so i see the two of them together really kind of working together in that in that sense so um but uh yes as much as um freaking modern you know marvel stopped figuring marvel and dc kind of forgot how to hire actual fiction writers and started instead decided to hire a bunch of political pundits uh and destroy everything their their entire brands were based on in terms of any kind of concept of how to write good stories with these characters that was that was you know me being a little bit frustrated at the current state of things you know but uh, this was a nice a nice refresher so but uh, as much it just reminds me that you know um, I can go back and enjoy these characters despite all the crappy you know iterations that they keep trying to come you know push down people's throats in the modern times no I, I really enjoy this movie Sam Elliott's <laughs> in it. And uh, oh, by the way, uh, uh, man, just a little. How about that, Ava Mendez? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> well, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> you know. So, um, uh, yeah. No, I, I will. I will so- give this a solid. Uh, I, I would give this a solid eight out of ten. It was. It was fun to watch and go back and, and revisit. It brought back some some good memories. So the uh, the inner metalhead in me, when I saw the bike transform again, I was like, oh my. God, that is metal. <laughs> yeah. It looks so cool. The spice coming off the bike and everything about the movie. Uh, just the whole placement and everything. Even though I never really watched Ghost Rider or read Ghost Rider or anything like that, I uh, I was really drawn to the movie just for that aspect as well. Um, if I get to give this score, it'd probably be a three out of five. Uh, I just, I, it's hard for me, like, a lot of the villains just being normal dudes who are quote unquote demons and not had, you know, maybe their face is changing a little bit here and there just kind of really, it doesn't have as much of an impact as I thought it, you would have in some of the other uh, hero movies and stuff like that, or at least, you know, ones that at least have some kind of costume kind of thing and that have a lot of tech in them or something like that. So it was Overall, to me, just mid, but it has a lot of really nice aspects of it that you know makes it better than it probably would have. It did it didn't add certain as or certain things like the really cool bike and just certain scenes and Nick Cage being Nick Cage, of course, the whole reason that we're doing this. <laughs> All right, so time to move on to our third film, which was Cog's pick, Mom and Dad. Cog, why don't you leave this one? All right, so I watched this one randomly with my wife one time. I think it was another previous Halloween time, and I just remember how just it is a really goofy movie. And so basically the plot follows. It's almost like a Dawn of the Dead type thing. Uh, All of the parents start going in basically crazy to and they want to kill their children because of like radio waves or some some unreal really kind of undefined sort of thing yeah 
it basically just goes off off the wall from there where i mean nick cage and his wife start just going crazy trying to kill the children and the children are like running around trying to um survive basically all the way to the point to that there's even the grandparents show up and are trying to kill the previous generation so like nick cage and his wife so the whole thing is like if you are not the child of somebody they will completely ignore you so it's like it's specifically parents trying to kill their own like birth children and uh it's absolutely bonkers it just a lot of it is just really goofy again it's just nick cage just a lot of stuff just makes no sense and is just really silly and just some of the weirdest dialogue of just stuff that just happens and just it's 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 goofy it's really goofy is all i'm saying (laughs) it it is I I think out of everybody who watched this movie, I was the one who I sat there and, and watched it, and I watched it, and then I had that kind of Mr. Horse mode from NCB where I was just like, no, sir, I didn't like it. I unfortunately just, it was extremely just very basic, very yeah, everything. Nick Cage's acting was like the only thing, and maybe some of the other kids here and there, but um like my favorite scene was the one uh where it was really <laughs> it's really fun it really like I, f- I don't feel like it was part like nick it was nick cage acting in itself is when he is attacking the boyfriend when the boyfriend is trying to protect uh the girl i don't remember her name where he he raises his hand in like this god like this power my hand of and Bam! And I was just like, that was so over the top. Talk about the pimp smack where he's like, <laughs> yes, the big like, well. dude, the, the boyfriend gets the snot beaten out of him in this film and he just keeps getting up. Oh man, he tanks hits like a champ. <laughs> But to be perfectly honest, that is like the only thing I really remember about the movie. I mean, other than just ran, it's just not random because there's a point to it as the movie shows, but just kind of a, you know, very predictable violence and um, a little bit of over the top. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure I'd call it predictable. <laughs> I mean, when you you see the kid, you know, okay, so that that kid's gonna die, uh, or it's going, or at least there's going to be something happening to. It. I I don't know. I found it very sort of predictable, and I just as I was watching, I'm like, I just I just not have fun with it. I the the thing that ended up happening with me is when they kind of started explaining this like the story insofar as one exists. I, I got um. Kind of a flashback to the original uh, Night of the Living Dead, because like every explanation the movie gives you about why things are happening the way they are is pretty much an excuse for the action set pieces. Yeah, basically. And I'm like, oh, so there is like there, there there's no there is no point, and that's okay. That the no point is yes. the point. <laughs> and the the thing that threw me off, the thing that that was both weird and fascinating, was how avant garde the cinematography is. Like, there's a bit pretty early in the film where Nick Cage is, like, getting into his car and the music has, like, this really dramatic sting and he just looks around 
Like he's looking for something and the camera like goes Dutch angle and starts like panning and zooming and like showing the neighborhood around them and nothing is happening. <laughs> Literally nothing. There is no one there to observe. But there's this like this yeah. It's like, what is going on and why? Exactly. Exactly. So that scene, as you're pointing out, see, that's one of the things I was talking about. I was like, I watched that and you may, and I feel like that's kind of where we kind of split on the angles. I, I watched that part and I was like, I felt like, well, nothing happened. Like I felt kind of point. Like I, I guess it, maybe it's just, you know, maybe some of the, the, what they're trying to do is just flowing over the head. I will not reject the fact that, you know, things fly over my head a good amount of the time, but it was just like that scene. I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay. Uh, okay. I, nothing happened. I'm like, um, hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I just, I'll say like, I love, you can tell just Nick, but every time they do those weird sequences, like when he's talking to his son and stuff and they just like zoom in on his face and he's like, just looking at him and he's, ah, and then like, like change. Just, yeah. Like the camera, there was, I remember there was a bit like about halfway in, he's talking to his son and the camera, like, is slowly zooming in on Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah. And then it cuts very suddenly, and you can tell there's a jump cut. And then he's, like, laughing, and the camera, like, jumps away from him. Like, like you were trying to have a conversation with him, and you physically jumped away from him. Like, it's, it's almost like the camera is a spectator, like a character in and yes. of itself. Yes. Because the way it behaves is not the way a cameraman behaves on a normal movie set. This is yes. hard, like... Okay, none of these are really normal movies. <laughs> but, like, I got very immersed in that kind of thinking. And, and, like, you could do a drinking game. It's like when something that makes no sense happens, take a shot. Yes. When the camera <laughs> does something completely against the, the, the rule book of cinematography, take a shot. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> if Nick Cage, like, changes expression mid-scene, take a shot to that. <laughs> yeah. like, that's, how it, that's how it started feeling. I'm like, this is... A really, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of those really weird, low budget FMV video games back when CDs were first becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it has that weird dream like feel to it. It felt like a dream. That's my best way of summing it up. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Cause I remember my wife and I watched it and we were like, what just happened? <laughs> like, like, we were just so thrown off. There's so much just like weird stuff that happens in this movie. Everything from like just the right. He's like sawzall. The sawzall <laughs> means it cuts all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like, <laughs> like or like the parts where he's just like going completely bonkers and like screaming at his kids, and it's just like it's just more Nick Cage just being like. Oh, just completely bonkers. It's full Muppet mode, yeah. It is full Muppet mode. Also, the 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 part uh, the the part where they explode, the both the parents ex almost explode because of the gas uh, igniting. I was just like, okay, there's a little cartoony here because I don't think anyone would be standing after that. Like, my god! <laughs> I mean, it's like he's fighting his dad. Like, get your claws off me, you bully dinosaur! Like. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably my favorite line in the film. I'll be honest. I, I actually had to pause and just laugh for like five minutes straight while I yes. was trying to comprehend it. And like the boyfriend, like 
gets to, like I was saying, like this dude is like a tank. You just can't stop. I kept thinking like, oh gosh, they're gonna kill him. It's like, no way, he's fine. Oh wait, they're gonna kill him. No, he's fine. <laughs> dude, every hit he took, I was like, okay, he's finally dead. That had to have killed him. That would have killed any normal person. What? He's still alive? Okay, no, no, no. Now he's 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 dead. Now he's got to be. They dead just can't now. stop this kid. What the heck? He's back again. <laughs> you know, like it just got it, it. It just got so ridiculous that I was like, oh, he's back up again now. Okay, of course. Like you could totally survive. <laughs> the full explanation that we get is like, like, like Cog said, like weird radio waves that cause the generations to turn on each other. It's like we already have that. It's called the internet. <laughs> but like. This movie, I I don't know if this is a Dadaist masterpiece to bring back a turn of phrase, or someone was just really bored and was like calling all their friends, like, guys, we're going to make a movie with like as little effort as possible, but I have a really nice camera, so let's do this. And Nick Cage will be in it. (laughs) And and Nick Cage is going to come too. It's going to be great. (laughs) That's basically what that feels like. like. It starts, like, that's the thing that threw me off. It's like at the very beginning, we, we see the perception of everything through the lens of the teenage daughter. And she's like, she's on her phone, she's on Facebook and MySpace, and like she mentions how her parents really don't talk to her. Her parents don't have a life and her, that her grandfather is like senile and, and suffering the like PTSD of, I think the Vietnam war. And the, the, there's all this stuff. I'm like, Oh, okay. This is all setting up for something. And there's going to be like this big moment later on where they, they like talk about maybe the horrors of war. No, no, <laughs> nope. none of that. Literally none of that. That goes nowhere. That that is literally there to pad out the runtime to feature length because it's just this weird surrealist out of this world experience of Nick Cage chewing the scenery and knocking the snot out of a teenage kid. Now I can't, in all good conscience, call this a good movie because I think that's wrong. But oh no no no. It, it, it's definitely wrong, yes. <laughs> it's zen and it's badness. Yes. Giving it a number is, is going to be really hard um, because any objective measure would be like four or five out of ten. But I think I have to lean a little higher because like for all the weirdness, for all the surrealism, I was entertained. <laughs> I wasn't bored. <laughs> so seven out of ten. I, I'm right there with you, Snake. Snake. Uh, I, I had the same kind of experience. I was just like, "What is this wacky movie?" And I don't like what it's. It's like a fever dream. I was just like, I remember even my wife when we finished it. We were like, "What the heck did we just watch?" And it has, I will admit, as a parent, it has a really weird because basically by the end of the and, and they basically tell you like the whole point is basically like uh we love you so much but sometimes holy crap you get us so angry and we just want to kill you and actually getting to be a parent now uh it it, it's, uh, it takes on a different um mean it's a little closer to home it hits a little too close to home is what i'm saying yeah i know little little uh, little cog's gonna be like what are you trying to say dad <laughs> like later I mean, just just you know just <laughs> say yeah, not saying why anything. is this movie like, talking to me through it's oh my gosh <laughs> you you get frustrated saying, sometimes I'm, you know what, what i'm saying son is is you're built to last <laughs> Yeah, you'll you'll be great when your girlfriend's future father, your future father-in-law, tries to beat the snot out of you. You're gonna yep. get right back up again. Like oh man! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, oh yeah. What's your so what's your, what would be your score? Same thing. 
I don't even know how to score this because I, I agree with Snack. Is it a good movie? objectively no but is it a weird entertaining experience absolutely and it's something to watch and it's just like i said it was like a fever dream watching it ah someone laced my pizza with cough syrup apparently (laughs) that's how this movie feels yes exactly (laughs) that's what it is that's what it is and if you're in the mood for just something completely bonkers and weird like that i i would recommend it um but i i i'm gonna probably land right with snack there it's it's like a seven out of ten unfortunately for me i enjoyed last year the killer tire more than this movie that had psychic powers yes really that's (laughs) that's a bold proclamation but okay i had more i had more because of the 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 wild and wacky shenanigans the tire gets into on its journey of trying to murder everybody during this uh during this entire time i found that just to be more enjoyable and wacky than this movie being just nick cage yucking it up and then giving someone the hand of god uh, <laughs> once or twice and then uh terrible dinosaur i just i give it i think i'd give it a i think i'd give it a two out of five okay i mean that's fair like objectively that's probably what this film deserves probably yes <laughs> All right, and that brings us chronologically uh, to just last year with my choice, Willy's Wonderland. (laughs) So what happens when Scott Coffin rejects a Five Nights at Freddy's script? Well, it's simple. You file the serial numbers off and you put Nick Cage in it. (laughs) This is Nick Cage acting like if he wanted to play Doom Guy in a movie, but he couldn't get the role. And decided to just decided to just be in a Five Nights at Freddy's movies instead, and just play the same character. I mean, yeah, basically. <laughs> there the and the reason I say that is because Doom Guy is a demon slayer, and the animatronics are, was was recreated by the spirits of peop of of serial killers who did satanic ritual to become the animatronics. <laughs> Also, Nick Cage does not say a single word of this entire movie. He is a silent protagonist. He doesn't ever talk, and he is credited as the janitor, and that's it. Which I love, because you know what he's doing? He's going into the house of Satan and cleaning that up, and is like, I am the janitor, I'm the hand of God on on this demonic place. Wham! (laughs) (laughs) He does, literally and figuratively. He's also... He is also the man that every caffeine addict wants to be as he chugs a nondescript soda pop, uh, as I would call it for this, for whatever, wherever he is, every hour on the Dude hour. loves his Because soda. it seems like his watch is literally, his watch is set to like ping every hour, it seems like, and he just chugs one every single hour, it seems like. <laughs> well, I mean, if you get a break every hour, I'd have a six pack on me too, like. But he is dead. He is he is dedicated. He is dedicated. Like one of my probably one of my favorite scenes was when the the lead girl forgot her name. Um, is I don't think she got a name. She's really not as important. Okay, yeah. There's like some teenagers in this film, and a lot of them get killed. None of them are important. None of them are significant, and none of their plots really go anywhere. By the way, for those that haven't really messed with Five Nights at Freddy's, I I'll be honest. I I'm aware of it. I haven't really bothered to play the games personally i've seen them 
I, I'll be honest, they, I haven't gotten sucked into it yet. Yeah, that, that's more my thing. Yeah, um, despite that, um, I was still very entertained. And basically the concept is uh, Nick Cage is a stranger who likes to drive fast car. I guess he just drove off of the it, – it's almost like he drove off of the set of Gone in 60 yeah, Seconds. Yeah, because he has a nice this car movie. here too. Because he's just like driving a, driving an awesome car. They put like freaking spikes in the road. They put spikes in the road. He gets um, basically marooned in this town, and they basically trick him into like, hey, we'll fix your car, but you you have to go. In order to pay for it, he has to go to Willy's Wonderland, and you have to clean the place up. And so he does. It's basically the evil Chuck E. Cheese, for those who don't know. Robots coming to life. So uh, uh, w- one thing I would like to add, one thing I'd like to add is he is tricked by the town because the animatronics have killed before and they're wanted to use him as a sacrifice uh, as they trick him to put him in the air. That's the main thing is because of the state to, to satisfy so they wouldn't kill any more of the town, or the, the townspeople to keep the murder cult happy that they, they give them a sacrifice every now and then by literally just marooning random schmucks. But today they didn't get any random schmuck. They, they got, got more than they way bargained more for. than they bargained for. <laughs> and a thing, like, this is one of those things that I only notice on a repeat watch. But, like, the whole thing is one of the first things he finds is this pinball cabinet. And he gives it the scrub down. He gets it working again. And the first time you see him play it, he's like, he fails miserably. And then he's like, okay, I'll come back to this later. And you see him return to the pinball table repeatedly throughout the film. And every time he does, he gets better at it really, really, really fast. But then you notice when the animatronics start coming at him, because they decide, oh, we'll just like ambush this guy one at a time, and whoever kills him kills him. This plan backfires because he gets really good at fighting these animatronics <laughs> because oh, yeah. of the way he like rapidly improves his skills. Like he's a Rune Factory protagonist. Almost like, yes. The uh the big thing, and I want to put this out there too before we really get into it, is that I believe with all of my heart. That when they were making this movie, they said, we want to make a horror movie. But Nicolas Cage was so unfazed the entire movie because of the character he played. They had to add the extra characters in there to classify as a horror movie because it literally <laughs> is instead of afraid. it being Doom Guy destroys Chuck E. Cheese is Doom Guy destroys <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese as random schmucks die because why are they there in the first place? <laughs> that should have you could have you could literally make that the subtitle to this movie is just Doom Guy Doom destroys, destroys Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> yeah, because like the whole thing and, and the only one of the teenagers who actually matters is like the lead girl. And the, the whole thing is her mother is the sheriff of the town and she's in on it. She, she's in on the take and she knows like why they do it. They know what they're doing, but she's like, oh, this is for the greater good is to keep the peace. And when she finally realizes that Nick Cage is taking out the trash in more than one capacity, she's like, I have to stop this because things will get worse for the town if I don't. So she like holds him at shotgun point and handcuffs him. So the janitor doesn't have his hands presently. And like three animatronics try to gang up on him. What does Nick Cage do? He kicks the jukebox like he's Dante from Devil May Cry (laughs) and starts just like choke holding them and popping their heads off to a catchy remix of head, shoulders, knees, and toes. 
Yes. This is one of my favorite films of all time. <laughs> the, the, the glory kills, as I will call it, since we're keeping this Doom theme, are so over the top and amazing. It's almost like like he like Nick Cage is like, I also played Mortal Kombat a bit. Well, as I rip the spine out of this animatronic. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he, he freaking Metal Gear Revengeance is one of them and tears the entire spinal column out like a predator. As he curb stomps one of the animatronics on the urinal of a stall. And I was just like, I'm looking at this like, what is happening in this movie? <laughs> I told you guys this movie was great. <laughs> no, I was saying something I really appreciated about this too, beyond like, even if you're not as big into like five nights and Freddy's and gaming and stuff like that is that a normal viewer watching, or if you've any, even if you've watched any kind of horror movies, he's basically being what everybody else wish they could be when they watch a horror movie where, you know, we, people go back and watch horror movies and they're like, I, I remember going back and watching old horror movies. Like, what are you doing, man? Uh, what are you doing? Run, you idiot. Or like hit him, grab something and hit him with it. And like, shoot the, you know, shoot the guy, shoot him. What are you doing? He like embodies all of that emotion in just like what everybody would like to be doing in a horror movie, which is just beating the crap out of the thing that's trying to scare them. And it's, it's pretty, pretty pretty satisfying i think the saddest part of the movie the sad now not talking about bad part i saying the saddest part the movie in itself is really out there and i can't really give a heads or tails if it's actually good in quotation marks or not uh, it's but it's it's out there in that case is the the deputy the deputy kind of does like he's following the sheriff's commands the lead girl kind of talks him out of it and be like okay you know what you're right i'm gonna do a face turn and we're gonna stop these things so that way the whole town can be saved and then dies <laughs> instantly at instantly instantly the next scene <laughs> i'm like oh my <laughs> Doesn't even get, yeah, he doesn't even get the chance to actually act on it. He, he gets ripped apart. And it's like, this movie is very irreverent in that regard, because like you think there's going to be like this big clash between the deputy and the sheriff. There's not. There's not. It is just Nick Cage, Nick Caging the crap out of these animatronics. Oh, yeah. That's the film. <laughs> also, also the ending where, because I was like in my head, I was like, well, you know, he did kill all the animatronics, but there's still the two left. The which got the mechanic and the, um the the the, uh, the rich guy, the 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 lady animatronic blows them all up. Which I was like, oh, that's inter- that's an interesting way. And then as they're driving away, which by the way, the lead lady, because she has nothing to go with there anymore because everybody died, died now except for Nick Cage, just gets in his. His Mercedes, I think it's a Mercedes. It's a really nice car, by the way. Again, the whole motif of after so on six seconds, every movie he's had has just has a nice car in it somewhere. Uh, <laughs> um, gets in and they find the they find the the uh, the Spanish automaton who was got beaten up by who got beaten up by the lady who, by the way, takes a shotgun and just starts beating him in the crotch with it the entire time. <laughs> And just has the weirdest dialogue with the funniest dialogue in that as well. And just runs it over. And then, yeah, because he speaks in Spanish the entire time, but they actually subtitle what he's saying as she's kicking the crap out of him. And then he runs him over and then that's all the automatons. 
Like that's the literal end. Like the ending is the last Amaton dies as he runs into him and he explodes into a million pieces. And I was just like, that is a interestingly fitting end to what was going to be a giant cliffhanger. <laughs> you see, there's two things on, on this ending, and I only noticed this in a repeat ending. But uh, point one, when the weird the fairy girl, I forget her name, when the car explodes, she doesn't get caught in the blast. She's thrown off camera, but she's still intact. The movie doesn't act on this information, and she could have still been destroyed. But if they wanted a sequel, there's your hook. Now, interesting. I didn't. I didn't. Pu- I didn't pay 100 percent attention to that. I did not notice that. I, I only saw it in like when I saw it the second or third time. I really like this film. Um, and the, the other thing I noticed is this movie like doesn't seem to care whether they sequelize it or not. And that lack of pretension, I think, kind of elevates this above a lot of other horror movies in that respect, because it's they don't even bother. They don't like, oh, no, there's there's something still there climbing out of the wreckage. Like, no, they don't care. They're like, Nick Cage cleaned up the place, and, and like I said, more than one way, and then he just drives off in a cool car, and he like shares his soda with the girl yep. because he's <laughs> adopted her now, and she just goes with it, because why not? <laughs> I would not. Isn't that what he says too? That's I love it when they actually give him a car back and the, what is it? The mayor and the dude they're like watching him drive off. It's like that's a bad hombre. <laughs> I would not be surprised if they were driving, and they, this is a sequel to the movie I'm, I'm thinking of. They're just driving in the car just after to defeat the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, house, the nondescript Five Nights at Freddy's house, and they stumble upon Quiet Valley, <laughs> <laughs> and you know. <laughs> the thing is, Cog put it best. Like, the janitor embodies everything you want a horror protagonist to do, but he actually succeeds. Yes, it's like exactly. If they they could make a whole metaverse, it doesn't even have to be like Willy's Wonderland. It could just be the janitor's meta story. I just I want to see this guy like Resident Evil. Pff, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, Hill, yes. Pff, no problem. Yes. Alone in the dark. Pff, no problem. Yes. Call of Cthulhu. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly that's what I was saying. It's Quiet Valley is a nondescript Silent Hill, and then you got you know, <laughs> yeah. No, I I, I I figured that's where you were going with that. But it's like I would pay good money to see Nick Cage just be this this silent dude with like his teenage sidekick, who and she's like freaking out and scared of everything, and he just like gets better and better at monster killing just because like, he keeps ending up in these ridiculous situations where he has to. I would watch 13 installments of that if they kept the same kind of energy as this movie embodied. Uh, this movie is <laughs> its terrible and it's amazing. It is immensely entertaining and rock stupid. <laughs> 10 out of 10. No question. The one thing I want to point out what, before I give a score is that the only real defining like possible lore story thing that Nick Cage is, is in the car in the beginning. It shows a pair of dog tags showing that he might have been in the military at one point. But that's literally the only part of him that you get <laughs> everything besides his caffeine addiction. <laughs> uh, yeah, this movie was, this movie was uh, a sight to behold. I was laugh. It was the funniest horror movie I have ever watched. The funniest. Um, be as it may, I will give it a, I'll give it a four out of five. I don't think it was, I don't think it's like, you know, 
Oscar worthy, but it was right. it was a sight. It was a watch. I will definitely watch it again. If anything, just watch the glory kills again because oh my god, it's needlessly brutal and amazing. <laughs> also, the fact that he literally defeats the 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 he beats Willie wielding a taped together broom handle and a sack with his sodas in it and starts wheeling it around like he's some like some weirdo Jackie Chan and wins. <laughs> well, of course. You gotta use your soda. <laughs> That's what gives him his super strength. <laughs> yes, it is. He also doubles as a weapon, too. <laughs> All right, Cog. This is another one. It's like the last... It's like Mom and Dad. It's like a fever dream. It's like I watched it, and I was like, good Lord, this is... Like, what was this? And I wasn't laughing out loud as hard as I was with like mom and dad, which literally was making me, making me laugh. But it was like, this movie was so gratifying for me that he was just like, again, the, the glory kills and stuff like that was just so satisfying. I was like, yes, thank you. Kill that. You know, like I was, I was just like, yes. And, uh, uh, it was just immensely satisfying because he was embodying that just like, yeah, just just murder them all and don't care. Like, it just, oh, it was so satisfying. The, the comedy for me kind of came more from, from like, other people's reaction. Like, I, th- I think one of my the, the best scenes, too, was the, uh, like, his dedication to, like, his caffeine addiction where literally his alarm goes off and he's standing there with the girl and, like, they're getting ready to fight one of the animatronic, like, the lady, and he just, like, stops. No, no, he just stops, hands her the knife, oh, right. and just leaves to go play pinball. Oh, and he just <laughs> walks off. <laughs> oh, my <Yes>. gosh. <laughs> and then he goes and plays pinball, and then come back, comes she back. She has and her saves, priorities, saves and he has his. But, uh, it's such a wild movie. I, I don't know how to how to quantify it. It's uh it's just like Snake Set. It it it's it's amazing, but rock stupid at the same time. Um, I I just don't. I, I don't even know where to land this one. Um, I, I'll put it. I'll put it somewhere in the middle. It's a five out of ten. It's it's it's. Uh, but but that's like an arbitrary number. Because I'm thinking, you Which know, again, is is it, you, know it <laughs> you know, it, it could probably be a two, but at the same time, the experience was like a nine or so, or ten, you know, what I mean? it's somewhere in the middle. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely worth watching. Okay. Are you guys ready for this? Cause I just saw this. Willie's Wonderland was nominated for awards. <laughs> You would think it would be like a Razzie, but no. It was nominated for the <laughs> Clotrudis Awards Best Production Design. No, I was like, that just reminds me of like Tropic Thunder, like the winner of three Crying Monkey Awards. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Critics' Choice Super Awards nominated Nick Cage for Best Actor in a Horror Movie. <laughs> Keeping in mind, Nick Cage doesn't talk in this film at all. He doesn't say anything. His literal, the only voices he makes is him slurping and going, ah, after he drinks his soda. Yeah, like a sigh and like he grunts a little bit during the fight scenes. That's it. But I guess it's his little weird facial moments when he's like 
mastering the pinball machine, which has some weird uh, notations of what's going on. But apparently he's got really good at that machine as well. <laughs> so this was a very weird and very entertaining Halloween. Very. Lineup. And absolutely. I love this a lot. <laughs> this, this was just fun. Um, it was fun. It was just fun. I appreciate it. And a movie that I wanted, I, I was, I recently posted in our, in our discord, uh, is the unbearable weight of massive talent, which we didn't watch. I'm just saying that at, I want to watch it at one point, whether a four podcast or not is, uh, Nicholas cage playing Nicholas cage, <laughs> the actor. <laughs> I, I, I will admit I've seen it already. It's it, it's entertaining. It's another weird one. I don't know if it's actually the one of his better ones, but it was uh, it was an interesting interesting ride. But yeah, I wanted to point that out there that just the idea itself, I was like, that is worth watching. I feel like that is to me worth watching just to see how Nicholas Cage portrays himself as Nicholas Cage. Well, I'm about to say he has the most hands-on experience of anybody, so that he does. <laughs> that, that follows. Um, no, this was this was a good lineup. Honestly, I think everyone should watch these films um, in whatever order you want, I suppose. Uh, but they're all—you'll get a different experience out of all of them, except that it's—they're all cartoons starring Nick Cage <laughs> being just the coolest thing you've ever seen, either with a cool car or a cool motorcycle, depending on context. Yeah, pretty much. So I think we're going to sign off for now. Happy Halloween, everybody, from the Tomodachi Bros Review Podcast, Season 2 coming soon. Trademark, copyright, all rights reserved, LLC. Happy Halloween! Uh, like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends, and look forward to the triumphant return of the Tomodachi Bros. Woohoo! Soon. And we'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Tomodachi Brothers Review Podcast, produced and recorded by The Hipster Snack, Ditaku, and Cog. Sound design and editing by executive producer Sean Taylor Brown with Cog Sound Engineering. Music written and performed by Sean Taylor Brown with Costas Voss of Core Insight Studio on the drums. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time. everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tomodachi Bros Anime Podcast. I'm one of the co-founders and co-hosts of the podcast, The Hipster Snack. If you want more content from me, I have my own YouTube channel, The Hipster Snack. Links will be available everywhere I can spam it up until I get a custom one, but all in due time. I do weekly game reviews, and in the future, probably more than that. Look forward to it, and I'll see you there and on Twitter, at Hipster Snack. See ya!